This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexander Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Good together, listeners. I am so excited for today's episode because it's a conversation that, for me, hasn't been had oftentimes. And we hear buzzwords all the time, um, you know, thrown around in this space. So, I can't wait to get into it. And, you know, I'd say like, look, as we witness the mounting challenges that are stacking up against us, you know, posed by climate change, soil degradation, biodiversity loss, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, buzzwords happening, like I mentioned earlier. But regenerative agriculture is something that's really rapidly emerging as what I'd say is a beacon of hope. It's really offering a paradigm shift from conventional farming practices but I don't know a whole lot about it. So this week, I'm really excited to introduce Evan Harrison. He's the CEO at Kiss the Ground, which is a nonprofit organization raising awareness about regenerative ag through storytelling, education, and advocacy. So Evan, welcome. I wonder if you could just do a really brief um, intro of yourself and of the organization you work for. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. That was a great introduction, and I'll add a little bit to it. And you know, I want to start by saying, I had not even heard of the term regenerative agriculture only three years ago. And I consider myself um, an environmentalist. I was on the board of directors of the Surfrider Foundation. And we talked a whole lot about sustainability and plastic pollution. And you know, we talked about runoff in, in water and all of these issues. And I hadn't yet learned that there was such a hopeful solution for all of these issues until uh, my daughter, interestingly, wound up screening the film Kiss the Ground mm. at at a uh, small theater in Colorado. I was doing music festivals at the time, and she asked me if I could promote a clip of the film uh, to the music festival audience. And it was the first time I, I really looked at, wow, okay, there's a very viable, very real solution that is all about working in sync with nature and restoring our soil. So I I wanted to share that right out of the gate because only 4% of the U.S. adult population is aware of the fact that regenerative agriculture is a viable solution for our health crisis, our water crisis, and the climate crisis. So Kiss the Ground's been around for nearly 11 years, and it was started by Finian Makepeace and Ryland Englehart. Not farmers, not scientists, not academia. They learned about regeneration as a solution. They started doing some Googling and said, why isn't anybody talking about this? 
well, we could be storytellers. So they started talking about regenerative practices. They started talking to farmers. They started creating content, telling stories. And they, they found um, Josh and Rebecca Tekel, filmmakers, who, uh, you know, as, as they put it, Ryland and Finian talked their ears off about soil health. And together they um, went down a path and seven years later launched the film Kiss the Ground, which really put, I would say, um, not only our organization, but the movement uh, in in front of a pretty large early stage audience. Uh, and here we are today, 10 years later. And I, I would say now we're, you know, our main focus is to head towards that tempting point and make sure that the word gets out. And uh, really, you know, back to the, the beginning, it's about inspiring people and hopefulness that we do have a viable solution for these very real problems. Yeah, absolutely. And I, the other thing that really stood out to me was, you're right, I don't think most people even, number one, understand what regenerative agriculture is. So I'm excited to talk more about that. But, you know, for me, it's almost... It's part of the bigger trend where we are taking a step back, looking at the way things have been done, you know, in the past 50 years or so, and realizing that, you know, we've made a lot of gains in terms of efficiency and output and yield and all those types of things, but we haven't really been doing it in a sustainable way. And perhaps the way that we did it previously, which was less high tech and was probably a little bit more focused on you know, maintaining and sustaining an ecosystem actually is the proper way to do it. And so like, and that's not, we're not just talking about agriculture. I mean, we're talking about the way we create clothing and the way that we consume products in general. I think just kind of coming back to our roots, um, like truly no pun intended. <laughs> so I'm curious to know too, of like, you know, maybe explain a little bit more to the audience about what regenerative agriculture is and how Kiss the Ground really believes that this type of farming can truly solve a lot of the things that you just mentioned. So for starters, regenerative agriculture has been around for many, many, many years. And uh, it's very context-based. So you could have a farm that's 10 miles away from another farm in say the Southeast and different tactics and different approaches will not work the same. So the first thing about regenerative agriculture is it's a system-based holistic look at land being stewarded and you know heavily context-based. And there, there are a bunch of principles which really focus on just working in sync with nature. And there's a whole lot of trial and error. It's about having multi-crop as opposed to, um, you know, monocrop. So instead of just having one field of hundreds and hundreds of acres of soy or wheat, it's about having lots of different crops planted. So you're producing year round and there are other benefits to that as well, such as um, cover crop which uh, you know keeps the soil healthier and sequesters carbon down from the atmosphere and that carbon is fuel in the soil. So you know th there are a bunch of practices and principles that are core, but really I think the key takeaway is it's about least disturbance with chemicals, 
with tilling and really utilizing integration of animals and going back to uh, the way smaller farms worked before the industrialization and before um, you know we've shifted and started with such heavy reliance on chemicals. Yeah, and I mean, I think that just thinking through this, this heavy reliance on chemicals, I mean, like you just mentioned, there were so many reasons why we started to do it, but at the end of the day, I mean, what has been the benefit, right? I would truly like, why have we decided to, in, you know, recent years, been so obsessed with that rather than thinking about the impacts on the environment around us? Well, it's interesting. Uh, th there are a lot of people who come at it from different angles. Almost everybody agrees that, um, you know, the primary focus is about increasing the soil health. Because as the soil is healthier, you're getting more nutrient-dense foods. And in the end, with less chemical inputs, you're saving costs and it becomes a more profitable way to grow more nutrient-dense uh, foods. So the fact that you're sequestering carbon and helping the environment is, is an added bonus. Uh, the fact that you're able to absolutely provide uh, more nutrient or create more nutrient-dense uh, foods is absolutely meaningful. But at the end of the day, if it wasn't proving to um, save costs and ultimately improve profit, it would be a much harder conversation to have. We've watched uh, fifth generation farmers say, well, wait a minute, I've been doing things a certain way for a long time. My, my kid's kind of nagging at me to take a look at this regenerative system. And uh, it's pretty wild to see different farmers around the world, all in different circumstances, really start to geek out in a very positive way, seeing the results from regenerative practices. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think on that subject, I think it'd be really interesting to talk a little bit more about what are some of these, you know, advances or discoveries people are making? And like, what are these, what are some cool stories around, you know, maybe switching up one or two things in the process and leading to a really cool outcome? So we tell some deep stories through film and uh, really go, go deep into different regions, different characters and tell the stories. Uh, one story I'll share with you that's pretty interesting is um, a, a farmer who is a first-generation uh, farmer in Tucson. We're going to release a short story on him later in the month. His name is Yadi Wang, and he's in Tucson. Obviously, a, a region that has you know had real problems with, uh, with water, and Yadi learned from his wife's uh, father all of these farming techniques that techniques that work in sync with nature as opposed to heavy reliance on on chemicals, and he's successfully taken some very arid, very dry land um, with a bunch of the principles of regenerative agriculture, and really built a thriving ecosystem with multiple crops with animal integration. And uh, he's even seen restoration of um, of golf, formerly golf courses, 
and uh, you know areas that required so much water to now be really um, you know thriving farming ecosystems. Yeah, I mean, I feel like a golf course is such a great example <laughs> of you know something that most of us come into contact with um, relatively frequently. If you happen to, li- I live close to one, so when I go on a walk, I can see it. But you know, even if you don't live close to one, you probably see it when you're commuting. And to me, that's that and, you know, cemeteries have always been fascinating to me about, you know, things that take up a lot of landmass in very populated areas don't often, you know, have a whole lot of benefits for those who are not members or, you know, not using the spaces. So, yeah, I'm curious to know, like, have you uncovered anything interesting about golf courses? <laughs> you know, I think what what you're seeing is especially as um, we've seen deep, long-standing droughts in certain regions, and we've seen massive flooding in certain regions. And what we see time and time again is through using regenerative practices, the soil, when it's healthy, is able to retain so much more of the water as opposed to sending runoff. And that alone is very eye-opening. At, at the highest level to anybody who is uh, a steward of land is how to manage the water. The last thing you want as a, um, a farmer is to finally have that rain event come and it all turns to runoff. And as opposed to the, the healthier soil really absorbing so much of that rainfall. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes sense. And I I think, too, the way that we, you know, when we consider the, the problem at hand from a materials perspective, too, right, it's not just... Like we were talking about, like picking, you know, perhaps the soil that is the most, you know, I don't know, just engineered, right? (laughs) Compared to soil that might actually benefit things around it, right? It's You just said something really important. And that is, it just makes sense. I, you know, like I said, I'm new to regenerative agriculture. The team at Kiss the Ground has been working with uh, so many brilliant academics and farmers and just so many people that have such deep knowledge about soil health. That's not me. We've got that on the team. But my, my key takeaway after doing so much listening the first year is all of all of these things I'm learning just simply make sense. So as opposed to monocropping with heavy machinery and using uh, different chemicals to trick nature into producing more. Well, what if there's animals, it just you know, animals integrated onto the land that get moved around, their hoofs push down the manure, which is fertilizer, and then they give that land where they were, the animals just you know were most recently time to rest. It grows back so much. Uh, more more dense with uh, with nutrients. It just it's a cyclical natural course that simply makes sense. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, just what you described makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and I mean, truly, it's the way that things used to be. Um, we didn't have all this technology and engineering, et cetera, that was, you know, uh, seeking to optimize every single state that you just described. That does not mean, listeners, that we are anti-advancement or anti-science or anything of that nature. Um, as a matter of fact, I would say there's probably been some very exciting um, advancements made by people who are scientists and engineers who are looking to be more regenerative in their approach, right? Like I, I can imagine there's all sorts of really interesting applications of those, um, you know, disciplines, right? <laughs> well, there's no doubt. I mean, science absolutely plays a role here. Uh, there are some amazing advances that are coming and I'll talk about a couple but I, I would also say measuring, having data to measure the soil in the health of the soil is a major proof point. So we partnered with a uh, fashion company called Citizens of Humanity. They saw the film Kiss the Ground. Oh, and yeah. they, appro they approached us and said, um, we would love to start sourcing regeneratively. We've done some work. We've worked with some uh, consultants advancing eco-ag. And uh, we've started to uh, hone in on on some cotton farms that are or some some cotton growers who are starting the transition to regenerative practices. And we would love to partner with Kiss the Ground to to really progress it. Uh, our co-founder, Ryland, worked with them uh, collectively on a program, approximately a dozen farms now who have started on the journey. And what we said was, well, we're not just going to say, OK, cool. Uh, they're already doing two or three of, of the practices of regenerative agriculture. We're going to check back every year and make sure that's actually working. And we're going to measure, um, we're going to have a third party go out and measure the soil uh, to see if it, if it is improving. So I would say uh, absolutely that is uh, not only working in tandem with nature, but you're also using advances in uh, technology to make sure that you're getting the output that's desired. Absolutely. I think what's so cool about the story you just shared, I mean, first of all, most of us are familiar with that brand. Citizens um, of Humanity is a very popular denim brand. And so I would imagine, were they looking to um, source regenerative cotton for their denim? Is that mostly what they were looking to do? That's that's exactly what we're mm -hmm. working on together. So uh, as we know, cotton is one of the... Um, kind of dirtier production, uh, you know, elements uh, through all of the various phases and then dyes. So there are a lot of complexities there and cotton's not a simple one. And they came to us after doing their homework and said, what if we grew regenerative cotton together, call it kiss the ground cotton, and we'll not only use it for our clothing, we'll partner with other um, clothing brands so we could really just move the industry in the direction it needs to go in. And we we were all in from the first meeting. And that's exactly what we're doing. So come this fall, there will be um there will be hang tags on citizens of humanity products that talk about the regenerative agriculture journey of Kiss the Ground Cotton. Well, what I find to be, you know, what what to me is so cool about this is you know, you, your, your nonprofit, you know, obviously has done a lot through storytelling and, and filmmaking, but it's also neat that you're able to jump in 
and help on a consultancy type basis here because it's, it's, you know, some people might just assume, well, you're focused more on the storytelling um, side of things. So what are some of the other, um, you know, things that your um, your organization is involved in? So we have three programs and they're all very closely um they, they are all reliant on one another to really move uh, the, the movement in the direction it needs to go. And so the first is storytelling. And with 4% awareness in the market, we know we need to reach so many more people. Uh, just letting them know that regenerative agriculture exists. And we need to do it in a very simple way with different communication uh, mechanisms. So on TikTok and Instagram Reels, way more education, much lighter, but still educational. 10-minute shorts are about really connecting to humans who are, are pivotal in the journey towards regenerative, so there will be connectivity there. So a whole bunch of ways we could tell stories. But without offering the, the consumer an opportunity to purchase something that is that has been sourced regeneratively, we're missing a, a critical component. So we've started uh, a partnership uh, focus as part of our storytelling in Citizens of Humanity is a is an extreme example because we're creating a brand together. You'll see us creating a couple of more branded products that are sourced regeneratively, but then there are also other brands who come to us, such as Neutro, a Morris Pet Care company who kind of PBS uh, model they support our storytelling and will help us reach more people with those stories. So the the first part is first and foremost, awareness through storytelling and then partnerships with brands. And these brands, it's important to note, they fund farmers in making the transition to start in, to start down the regenerative path, which oftentimes requires uh, some new equipment. It may require, it may, uh -huh. um, the investment may be for some uh, for some livestock. It, it really varies. So, you know, the storytelling and then working with brands and farms to make that transition is the first part. The second part is education. People have learned about regenerative agriculture and said, how can I learn more and become an advocate? So yeah. Finian Makepeace and um, Karen Rodriguez around eight, nine years ago, started creating on-demand learnings from Kiss the Ground. So we have a soil advocate training course, which is uh, nine hours of on-demand learning with meetups on Zoom. And you have people from cities, you have people from all around the world taking these courses. And you leave that course so well-informed and you can't help but wanting to spread the message. So people have taken that course and gone and started their own nonprofit and done some great things in the movement. We've had about 5,000 people around the world take that course. And now what we've said is we believe companies will really help materially move the needle in this movement. So we've taken our uh, on-demand our on -demand educational assets and we've created an education program for companies our strong belief is any company with more than 50 employees now, if they want to attract and or retain um, employees who are environmentally conscious, eco-friendly, and quite frankly, under the age of 30, they're going to ask, 
well, what is your stance on the environment? What are you doing to make this world a better place? And we're offering uh, spe specific education programs so companies can come together. It's a bonding experience. We can showcase some, we can show some of our created content with Q and A's. We can do on-demand course training. So just education for companies uh, so they can really help be a positive force in the movement. And then finally, advocacy. Because people have seen our short stories, because we have celebrities in the Kiss the Ground film, and um, you know, because we have some uh, very, very influential people who are passionate about the movement, we've been given a seat at the table in D.C. on both sides of the aisle. And that's incredibly beneficial. As we uh, you know, worked up towards this year's Farm Bill, our advocacy team formed a coalition called Regenerate America that had, um, you know, dozens and dozens of companies and farmers. And, uh, you know, we will wind up really helping to influence the Farm Bill, which, uh, you know, is every five years a major source of funding that can help farmers uh, start to make the transition to regenerative practices. Yeah, that was going to be, you know, and you covered it, but the thing that I was going to ask a second ago, but again, you covered is, yeah, the education piece. And, you know, I'm sure you're constantly asked, you know, from people, from farmers, you, you're probably approached by them and, and they're like, I would love to do more in this space. How do I do that? And so it does sound like a big part of your organization is, is empowering them, uh, which is really, really exciting. Um, so I guess before we get, get to our last question that we ask all of our guests, but in closing, like if you had to tell people like what you believe the climate or maybe the potential positive climate impact of regenerative agriculture could become, like what what does the world look like when we have more of this? A better place. There's just no two ways <laughs> about go. it. You know, the, uh, I think you're seeing a lot of big companies now um, and you're seeing a lot of studies talk about doing uh, taking certain action by the year 2030 because I think we all realize that we all need to get our act together. Yes and exponential um, timeline. So you're seeing a lot of companies make um, big claims about how they're transitioning their supply chain between now and 2030. We believe that more regenerative practices in healthier soil uh, is absolutely a viable solution for not only the climate, but for our wellness uh, crisis. We're all getting sick more often because our foods have are less nutrient dense and because of the the chemical tracings in our food so we we simply know that this needs to happen it's not an end all be all you know people argue all day long about well less fossil fuels well less plastic production well you know less this less that yes yes and yes uh however you know our focus is on healthy soil because regenerative practices have proven to draw down carbon, which helps the climate issue, and to grow more nutrient-dense foods and to better manage uh, the water crisis. So we, we think that's a trifecta and a super important part of the solution. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think just as we talk about the problem of climate change and try to fend off climate anxiety and really try to, to, to stew on the, on the situation at hand. 
we talk a lot about different solutions uh, on this podcast. And so one thing that I really learned today is that, you know, again, shifting back to some of the previous practices of, you know, our ancestors, but then also just of doing things that just make sense, right? You know, in, in uh, enabling environments that allow livestock to trample nutrients into the soil, you know, like, wow, <laughs> just enabling these types of situations is going to be so critical for us going forward. So I learned a ton. I mean, obviously, Evan, you and I could talk about this all day long, um, but there, we're, of course, we're going to leave um, information um, and links in our show notes. But before we sign off, I'd love to ask you the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, you know, from where you're sitting right now, either as an individual or as, you know, the CEO of Kiss the Ground, like, what is exciting you most about the ethical conscious consumption uh, movement that's going on right now? So, oh man, you know, for a final question, I could go on for hours about this. I'm a surfer. I've been surfing uh, since I was 13 years old. And as a surfer, you learn to respect nature and you learn to study nature or else you can really um, get a good beating and you could drown and, and die, quite frankly. So, <laughs> you know, what I'm seeing now is the pendulum has swung so far in the wrong direction that we're really not debating that all of these crises are real. And it's so incredibly invigorating to understand that we have a viable solution that is real and it's it's proven and we're already starting to get uh, more awareness for this movement of this regeneration solution. So you know, what I would leave you with is I am incredibly excited about the creativity and the momentum that is going to fuel this movement over the course of the next five years. There are very big companies with very massive impacts that are almost hard to comprehend we're getting very serious about this. We uh, we just uh, disclosed a study with a company called How Good not too long ago. How Good had monitored how many companies are talking about regenerative agriculture, and they anticipated there would be around 200 companies at this stage talking about. There are 600 companies talking about now, and that's just going to keep growing exponentially. There are so many smart people who can um, really make such a big difference in mass land management changes. And that really excites me. Yes, absolutely. Well, Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Um, like we mentioned, we'll include all the information we can in show notes, uh, but it's been a pleasure. It's been a mutual pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.